The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Good morning, Don and Gary. Hope you're doing well. Good morning, guys. Good morning, Scott. Yeah, all doing great. Thanks. Not a lot of real financial news this past week. I guess that's good news, is it? Yeah, generally no news is good news with uh, when it comes to money type things, especially lately. Um, you know, anything has been interest rate increases or, you know, generally not great news in the last pa- in, in the past year. But uh, yeah, uh, no news is good news in the past week. And so we can go right into the show. Oh, well, Gary wants to talk about post pandemic spending. Do we still have all of that money we were sitting on way back when in the middle of this pandemic? Well, in a lot of cases, Scott, no. And uh, so what I want to talk about is, is uh, as financial advisors, how do we deal with this with clients that are, that are finding that their, their post-pandemic spending has, has gone up? Now, obviously, inflation, you know, we all know inflation has been a factor. Um, but uh, there was a recent study by FP Canada, and they, they actually called it the quiet spend and it showed that 51% of Canadians are concerned about their current financial situation. But most of those people overwhelmingly have not changed the way that they're spending. So, you know, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of a catch-22. Um, so over the past six months to a year, uh, what their study showed is that uh, there was no, no real change. And, um, you know, as advisors, we have to be looking at uh, you know, what we call, well, one of the, the major disciplines of financial planning, which is cash and debt management and, and assisting clients in terms of, uh, of helping them uh, better cope with or better deal with situations where their spending has, uh, has gotten a little away from them. So uh, the, the, study, the study that FP uh, Canada did, it revealed well, what it did is it, it, it made it clear that, that there's a lot of advisors that probably aren't addressing that as opposed to uh, when we're looking at, say, first meetings or introductory meetings with clients, really dealing with uh, kind of the, some of the basics in terms of uh, risk profile and what types of investments are most suitable and so on, but really leaving the whole uh, debt management issue off the table. And not uh, and not examining that. Now I know in our processes, what we go through uh, when we're meeting with with uh, prospective clients for the first time is is looking at their cash flow, looking at their expenditures, looking at their trends, and and uh, identifying what sort of resources they have available for themselves to achieve the the, the goals that they have. And and really, Gary, that's it's it's one of the more tedious areas of a financial plan is to go through cash flow and expenses but also probably the most necessary because, you know, everybody says, how much, how much do I need to, uh, you know, to save for, how much money do I need in order to retire? Well, it comes back down to cash flow. How much do you spend? Right. Right. And, and, and you're, you know, that's the whole thing. It is tedious, but it's part of our responsibility to, you know, to work through that, uh, that process with people. Um, So what the study some of the things that the study found, I'm just going to highlight a couple of things, which I thought was really interesting is, um, 
it showed that almost two thirds or 64% are still charging monthly subscriptions for various things to their credit cards. Well, 59% are using their credit cards to make payments mm. on their credit cards. So, you know, that's a, obviously that's a, that's a frightening statistic and that just leads to, you know, to uh, mm. a very challenging result. So um, taking from Peter to pay Paul. Yeah, basically. yeah, exactly. And also uh, what they found is, is people and, and, and it, you know, I, I understand how people are, are lured into these things, but, but um, people are ordering more items online so that they get various perks such as free shipping and, uh, and, and other things. So, you know, wow. so that's a, that's a trap. Yeah. That, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's very much a, a trap. Um so, you know, the, the, there's things, there's basic things, and we're talking about people who are very close to the line in terms of, of money in and, and money out. But, you know, things like, you know, spending, spending five to seven dollars a day on a, on a latte or, or a lot of little things like that. You know, those are some things that, that people in those situations uh, can look at. Interestingly, they, they looked at uh, ages uh, 18 to 34. And that group was most likely to charge monthly subscriptions directly to their credit cards. Uh, yet they're, they're the group, the 18 to 34 is the group that was most concerned about the debt that they were incurring. You know, so that's, uh, that's, that's certainly ironic. So um, they're the worried other, about it, but they're doing it. They're doing it. And, you know, the other thing, when you think about this, I mean, we all go into stores periodically where they have the, you know, the, it's almost like going to Disney, right? They got the cattle lines and you weave around and they've got all these last minute purchases that, uh, you know, that, that you see people grabbing them and, oh, well, yeah, I can use that. I can use that. And, you know, so those are things that, you know, they're not, they're not thought out purchases. They're just, they're just random things that, that people tend to do. And of course that adds to, uh, to the debt load. And I think, uh, what what advisors can do, what and you know this is really important for our listeners. What advisors can do is make sure that they they zero in on these things and provide as much financial knowledge as they possibly can, so that people can understand how to manage uh, their own affairs, especially now that uh, you know that inflation is is running in the the direction that it's going. Um, you know, budgeting is uh, is a term that has a lot of different meanings, and you know, in the eyes of different people. Uh, you know, Don, we've met with people over the years, and they say, oh, "Yes, I have a very good budget here." And you know, we look at it, and they're, they they might be tracking, you know, half to two thirds of all the expenditure, and and that's about yeah, it. Absolutely, Gary. We go through the cash flow, and it's amazing the categories that are missed. Yes. Um, that they've shown us. And this is why, you know, quite frankly, we like to, you know, certainly bring the material to us. But generally speaking, we find other things that are, are being missed, um, whether it be vacations or whatever it might be. Right. And as a client, I must say, this is the most tedious part for the client as well, because the last thing they want to do is sit there and go, oh, gee, look what I'm doing. Look what I'm wasting here. Uh, <laughs> yes. So it is. Yeah. You only want to show half the hand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, the other day I had a first meeting with uh, with some clients that were referred to me by other clients. And, uh, you know, we went through that process. And, you know, you you know, you can see it. Pe- people are almost beginning to bleed from the ears after a while because, <laughs> you know, we're, we're trying to make sure we identify everything. Especially and, if the spouse is present. Yes, uh, yes. Oh, really? You spend yeah, that much? On, oh. yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's important. So, so. But on the other hand, 
clients have been with us for a long time, they're prepared for this now. They know right. this is part of the process. So they've almost got it all itemized before we get yeah, there. They're battle tested, we right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, for sure. So, um, so I want to talk now about behavioral issues in terms of, of, you know, why is it that, that we run into these problems when really it wasn't necessary in the first place? So I, I think, I think that's critical. So, um, there's a there's a company uh, they're actually out of Toronto, and they're called BE Works. And I have uh, I have uh, done some work with them in terms of courses that I've taken in the past, and it's really it's really interesting. So it's behavioral psychology, but it's they specifically looked at at why people do the things that they do in terms of their finances. So I just want to share a couple things that I think um, I think are important. So it's obvious that, that some people can run into problems when, when markets go down. If, if they're so close to the line in terms of uh, you know, what, they're, what they're spending and, and what they're trying to put away and what goals they have in terms of accumulating money, uh, when markets go down, obviously, you know, that, that causes a, a lot of stress. And then uh, the other example is where, where people are too risk adverse. Right. We talk about, Don, we talk about, you know, the various risks that are out there. And and one is uh, it's just not having investments that are they're going to uh, keep pace with the cost of living over time. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, so those are so what they are, what uh, BE Works is is really getting at is is one of the things that that cause this is a failure of imagination. And what they mean by that is, uh, you know, they, they talk about a lot of different things that. It's basically, you know, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. That old that old saying really applies to the logic that they're 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 using. So they did a they actually did a an analysis for a, a, a actually a global financial services company, and um, so they really wanted to zero in on this savings gap. So why why is it that uh, people are running into this this situation? And what they what they found is that, that people uh, they tend to prioritize present needs over future ones, and that's pretty straightforward. We know that. And they but they struggle to identify the the person or the people that they'll be decades down the road. And you know we we deal with this all the time, and you know we um, you know we really work hard at getting people to think about if if someone's you know thirty years old, thirty five years old. Let's talk a little bit about retirement still, because because if we don't, then they're going to be forty five or fifty or fifty five, and and really haven't uh, you know put a plan in place to to uh, accomplish the things that they want. So there's a there's a marketing professor at UCLA who wrote a paper, and he said saving is like a choice between spending money today or giving it to a stranger years from now, because it's that mm. difficult for people to really look ahead. So. So what BE Works did is they, they they sort of worked on this mental time travel philosophy, um, where they encouraged people to to emphasize or, uh, empathize, I should say, with uh, their own retired selves. So really try and look down the road. And one of the things, you know, I thought this was really interesting. But one of the things that they they even suggested that people do is use those aging photo apps, and and you know get a look at yourself when you're when you're 55 years old, when you're 60 years old, et cetera. No, 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 no. Yeah. You know what? My son did that. Um, <laughs> did one of those a couple of years ago and he sent it to me and I got to be honest, it was really uncomfortable. 
Uh, for me because it was a picture of you gary no no well yeah maybe (laughs) maybe but uh you know so but that's one of the things that uh you know that they they suggested and they also said as part of the onboarding uh process for for advisors you know ask the clients to write down the 10 things that they want when they retire now again don we do this we we do Mm -hmm. this in in our own ways in terms of trying to get people to look through a lens that is very different from the, the current one and, and really get a sense of what their priorities are. Because without those drivers, without those priorities, um, a lot of people will just, you know, they'll, 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 they'll have plenty of reasons why they're going to deviate from what, what the, uh, the game plan is. So, uh, and, you know, I don't know if, uh, well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that. I know that some advisors don't do that because we know that from people that come to us uh, looking for, for some help. So, you know, that's, that's really, really important to understand, you know, what matters to people and what they think will matter down the road. So they, they ran an experiment with a control group and they asked, they, uh, they asked the group to set up automatic savings. And those who, who went through the mental time travel process with them, uh, during their onboarding, we're able to save considerably more money per week, which equated to more money, obviously, per year. So, you know, from a regulatory standpoint, yes, we know what the basic things are in terms of risk profile and making sure the suitability all checks. But it's really, really important to, uh, you know, to to make sure that we're we're on top of the psychology that goes behind the decisions or the non-decisions that people make. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. All right, it's a countdown to Christmas, but you're looking at it from a financial aspect. So no toys here? Yeah, so not all. It depends. It might end up with more toys down the road. Depends oh, what you do with these yet. tips. Yes, and instead of the twelve days of Christmas, and my true love gave to me, it's going to be the countdown to Christmas. My my financial planning tips will be given today. So we'll be doing this every week for the next few shows, and just go through a litany of tips that uh, you know what that you may say that's something I need to do. On uh, maybe it'll be uh, uh, January first next year. It'll be on your list. As a New Year's resolution, or even better, don't procrastinate, start right away. Why is January 1st such an important day? We can always start earlier. So tip number one is, is save your money and let it work. Sounds so simple. Really? You know what? At the end of the day, if you're working, start talking it away. We don't know how long we're going to live. The longevity is, is stretching out further and further. It, it seems to be income-related a bit. But uh, I, I recently just looked at a CPP estimates and they had, you know, middle to lower income and higher income, but still the average male and female, if they hit 65, both made it to mid 80s and the higher incomes almost made 90. So 
you know what? You sock it away while you got the money because you're working. It's a lot harder to save money when you're retired because you aren't working anymore and the paycheck's not coming in. Now, at the same token, don't just let it save in your bank account, basically earning nothing. Make it productive. Get it in stocks, get it in bonds, mutual funds invested, diversified portfolio, and, and think about it as, as dollar averaging. You know what? You know, a lot of people say, well, the markets haven't been good. Well, exactly. That's, uh, that's an opportunity. For those that are saving, you couldn't ask for a better environment because you're buying things when they're cheap. You know, we're the only business when we drop our prices, people run away. <laughs> okay. Everywhere else, if there's a sale, you know, and right, and right now we're looking at the Black Friday weekend mm-hmm. or the American Thanksgiving sales have been going on the past week and, and they usually they continue. You know, this is a big deal for the retail side. Well, the investment side is weird. When when this when we drop prices and it's been down, uh, depending on which market, anywhere from about seven percent to about twenty five percent this year, depending which market you're looking at. Great time to dollar average into the markets, which is adding monthly. Make it a contractual obligation, and and then when you are invested, you know, stop worrying about what did it do this month or this week or in the last quarter or even this year. Think about the time frame you need the money. And if you think about it as a, a longer term time frame, then you'll get then you'll start thinking, well, well, inflation since 1935 has been about three and a half percent. T-bills are only making 4.3, so barely scraping above inflation. Um, bonds, long-term government Canada bonds, about six percent. But if you get into the stock market over the long haul, the International stock markets average eight and a half percent, Canadian nine and a half, and US 11 percent. So now we're talking, that's a massive amount of difference between just putting your money on the side. Forget about volatility, change the time frame, and you'll say, okay, I'd rather have those returns. Well, those returns come with a longer time frame. So give yourself a 10 year time frame or greater, and you'll get returns like that, which certainly is far greater than inflation. Don, so, you know, it's interesting what what various types of investment options are called, how they're branded. So I, I saw something the other day and, and it was, a, you know, I always high interest savings account, which we have to right. be so careful. It was it was one tenth of one percent. Wow. Like, yeah. so we have to be so careful with the branding. Now, I'm in a high interest saving account at my bank and it was, you're, you're, that's double mine. Mine was 0.05%. So um, again, how can they even call that a high interest savings account? Yeah. Like yeah. there should be some rules around the name, the nomenclature about invest, investing. But again, a comfort zone. This is where I always like to challenge people when they come to us. And you probably have the same discussions, Gary, all the time, is what is your comfort zone? Well, the comfort zone is quite different after they get educated a bit. Because if you're comfortable with, say, GICs that are making generally speaking, barely beating inflation, and certainly after tax, not beating inflation. Well, once you start putting in that, oh, I'll only like the guaranteed investments, well, you're going to make, you're barely going to beat inflation. Oh, well, I never thought of it that way. Where stocks with the volatility, as long as you give it enough time, are going to get about 6% above inflation. Well, you know, that's a different story again. So now you start to educate the clients, as certified financial planners, and then there's comfort zone changes because of the education. And this is all part of going through what are the risks of investment? There's taxation risks, there's interest rate risk, there's capital risk. Everybody's focused on the capital risk. 
And then there's the longevity, how long the money's going to be there. So all these factors come into comfort zone. But if you just ask somebody on the street without educating them on the different types of risk, they're going to gravitate to a lower comfort zone normally. Would you not agree, Gary? Absolutely. And I, I, I know who does love the low interest accounts. And that, of course, are the companies that offer them. <laughs> true. Very true. So that's number one. Number two, and this is probably my biggest, I, I probably would just put this number one, but it, it's, it's a pretty close second, would be max out your company investment plans. Anytime the company is going to give you free money and all you have to do is put money in there and you'll get their matching portion, it doesn't get better than that. No financial planner um, worth their salt would should be taking their money from you to invest if you haven't already maxed out the company plan. Good point. Okay, Because the company plan, uh, generally speaking, uh, quite often it's a 4%. You put in 4% you know, of your salary, they'll match 2%. So it's usually a 50% matching and there's no guaranteed 50% returns out there. Okay. We can certainly, when you have down years, there's nothing even close, but this is a huge benefit. And, and what a deal, if you can put money into these plans, it just makes it just so much more for you. And so if you were to make say a hundred thousand a year, that means you put in 4,000 and the company matches and puts 2000 in. Well, I took a look at this. And let's say from age 25, you start your first job and you're making 60,000 a year and you made 60,000 until you're 40. And then from 40 to 50, you got an increase in pace and now you're making 80,000. And again, this would be in today's dollars. It may not be the actual dollars, but put it in today's dollars. And finally, right near the end of your career, you're making the big bucks, you're making hundred grand a year from 50 to 65. And just using this, this program, if you put your own money away, first of all, I love to see how disciplined people are if they didn't have this program. Because the nice thing about these programs, they force you to put money away because they're going to give you some incentive. But at 4% rates of return the whole way through, going through those kind of income brackets, you would have $288,000. And if the company matches, that's an extra 144000 uh, if they add their 50%. So now you've got $432,000 just because of the company plan. Now, if you take that money invest and say, I want a 4% withdrawal rate, you'll get about $1,450 a month in addition to your CPP and old age security. Not bad, but this is the other kicker. Going back to make your money productive. What if you could have got 7%? And this is what often, you know, I know our whole team does this all the time is we look at the company programs and we say, okay, don't just look at what we offer. Let's see what the company is doing and see, what, let's make it as efficient in terms of returns as you can get. So we'll often pick the, per, the investments for them that the company plans offering and kind of dovetail them into our plan. So let's say you could have got 7% and you still went through all those same incomes and everything else is identical. Instead of having 288,000, you'll end up with 588,000, more than double because you got 7% returns. And now you're going to get 294,000 from the matching. So now you're almost $900,000 sitting in your group plan, just a massive difference there, just because you invested it better. And put it this way, I don't think anybody would sneeze having 900,000 extra dollars kicking around at the end, you know, at 65. Now take that along 
at 4%, now you're going to get a $2,950 per month pension, almost $36,000 a year, plus your CPP and old age security. In fact, now to go back to you know, maximize the company plan, just the company plan alone was $294,000. Why would anybody want to give up $294,000? Okay. And that's what people don't realize the benefit of the matching. And that, that free money would generate $1,000 a month at 4% indexed and th- for life. And there's so many people that, that those types of programs help them with their own savings mentality. And, and why do companies do it? Well, some of the reasons are obvious too: retention and attraction of of good good people, right? Yeah, hundred percent. And and quite often, if they're if they don't retain, this is where if they move to another job, they'll they'll often move those funds over to us and then put it into the mothership, if you will. Okay, right. we'll look after everything and then make sure that it's invested properly. But again, I'm always a huge advocate: max that out first. And even if there's a stock plan, those are the um the registered plans. Some of the stock plans are amazing out there where, you're, where you can actually pull the funds out in one year or two years. And there's very little risk on your half, your end, because they're going to put in 30% matching or 15% matching. I've had clients borrow to do this. And then they simply cash out the investments when they mature, which is only one to two years away, and pay off the loan. And this allows them to build up this, it's again, free money. And yes, Scott. What do you think the reasons are for people not doing this? Because again, I'm an old guy. I've been doing this for a while, but it's amazing how many people I've run across who work for companies that offer this sort of thing and they don't take it. And I'm wondering, is is it because some say, well, I want to do my own thing, um, whether it's perhaps a little financial ignorance that they're not really looking into it. Uh, as closely as they should. But to me, the best way explained was, here's, you give me a dollar, I'll put 50 cents into that. And as you said, no matter what the market does, that's pretty tough to beat. So (laughs) why do you think the reasons people are not doing this? Well, I guess it comes down to two things. One would be they simply can't afford it. They're right on the edge. And they they may have not, they may have put themselves to that point. Okay. And they they can't get out of that. Okay. So that would be, one that is very difficult to save money because they're literally, they're spending next week paycheck before it even gets here. Okay? Right. So that is simply a budgeting issue. But I think that's actually the number, the second biggest reason. And a distant second, the number one reason is, is education. Yeah. Yeah. I took, I took over a group plan that had 100% matching at one time. They reduced it to 50% matching. Okay. And because and this is, you know, going back to when I, you know, 30 years ago, the participation rate was 50% when it was 100% matching. It went to over 80% when they dropped it. Wow. And you say, okay, why would well, that doesn't make sense? It was simply education. Yeah. They didn't realize how much they're missing out on. Mm. And once I showed them the amount difference that they are missing out on, and just no different than the numbers they just gave you, they said, wow, I can't afford to miss out on that. And why would I give up on the free money. Um, so now they don't want to miss out, but they, it was never, they never had anybody come into the lunchroom and discuss this with them. And so the participation went, rate went through the roof once they realized I, I don't want to miss that. So I, I, I would actually suggest that it was generally education. So number three is have a trusted financial co- coach relationship. 
you know, Gary and I are sitting here on the radio today, you know, discussing these things with you. These are the kind of topics you should be having with your financial planner. And, I, and I, I'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there having the same kind of conversation, or maybe these may spark some of the conversations that you should have. But at the end of the day, we really are a trusted advisor. Okay. And it's not just simply, okay, where, you, where should we invest your money? That's actually just one small piece of the puzzle, as we've always talked about. And a, a true financial plan goes through the cash flow that Gary was just talking about. And that's uh, generally about a half an hour to go through all the items. I know, like we said, it's not the most fun thing to do, but it's the most necessary because we need to know what you're going to spend on an annual or monthly basis and to decide, okay, let's now that we know the spending habits, now we know how much money we need to address that lifestyle. And so anybody that doesn't do that, I don't know how they're getting their numbers because the plan isn't worth anything. It's, it's really not, it's, it's worthless if you don't know the spending side. So again, these are the type of questions that are very necessary to have a, a proper financial plan. And as a CFP, it's our fiduciary duty. It's part of being a certified financial planner and is to go over all these and what is the best thing for the client. And that's really what a fiduciary does. And, and in, in fact, it wasn't long ago, and you said some of these topics, some, it's not great often to have these conversations. I have a long-term client. We sat down. We went through their spending. And maybe it was the post-pandemic spending uh, jolt, but they were spending more than they normally did. And I said, okay, if you keep doing this, we will run out of money. And I, and I showed it graphically because this isn't part of the plan. You never had this spending pattern before. And now you've got this. And it was, it was a sobering illustration saying, oh, wow, okay, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it makes a big difference. So, you know, I, it turns out we are, uh, the CFPs are finally mainstream. Back on Monday night, my, my wife is a huge Jeopardy fan. And there's probably a lot of listeners uh, that are uh, big Je Jeopardy fans. And there was a question about, about abbreviated jobs. And the question was, or the answer was rather, advises on investing in savings for the, for the future, CFP. Answer, certified financial planner. And Amy got it right, and she ended up winning 250000 Not because of that question, but she was the overall winner of the, the champ of champs, I guess it was. So, yeah, big deal. So CFP made Jeopardy, so I know it's a big deal now. And uh, so at the end of the day, certified financial planner, if you do not have one, as your financial planner, I would definitely get a second opinion. And here's hoping that those big Jeopardy winners have a financial planner when they get that windfall. <laughs> I hope she does. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. DonFox.net to find out more. Call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. A quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. This is an interesting topic because uh, we've talked about executors a lot. Can an executor quit? 
Yeah, we've talked about the you know the the duties of an executor. We talked about you know things to think about when you appoint someone and so on. But I thought this would be really interesting because uh, yeah, as you said, Scott, it's not something that happens often, but it does, and it's not something that people typically think about. And you know, when we when we appoint executors, we unfortunately there's not a lot of thought that goes in it into it because we basically think, okay, who's closest to us? Is it a spouse or whomever? Or if, if, uh, if they're a surviving spouse, perhaps an adult child, whatever the case may be. But the way things have evolved over the years, um, it's not just a responsibility of tasks that an executor has, but it's also a great deal of accountability from a legal perspective. So an executor, you know, we talk about our fiduciary duty as CFPs. An executor, someone acting as an executor has a fiduciary duty to administer the estate in the best interest of the beneficiaries. And that's that's really the bottom line. So what happens if an executor is no longer able to carry out the responsibilities or decides that they don't want to? You can't just walk away. You can't just say, uh, you know what, I, I know I said I would do this, but but I'm not going to do this anymore. So essentially what you, one of the things that you have to do, depending on the circumstances, if you have, you have to find someone else to replace you. And, you know, we, we do know, of course, that, that just because someone asks us to be an executor, we don't have to accept that, that responsibility. But once we do everything, everything changes. So, um, you know, if we've started the process, we have to continue. And an executor who, who fails to, you know, fulfill those responsibilities may be held liable by the beneficiaries if there's any loss in the value of the estate. So, you know, this is serious stuff. This is, you know, and I know that, that historically it's not something that, that has, you know, in many cases has been really regarded that way by, by the average person. You know, circumstances may arise where uh, an executor is no longer to perform that role. Uh, whether it's health, uh, maybe they, you know, some form of incapacity or a job change, or even just moving out of the out of the province. So, you know, sometimes those types of things come up. If an executor does want to resign, um, what they have to do is is in terms of the the, the actual terms of the will, uh, the the will may name an alternate executor. So, if the alternate executor agrees to step in, then then. That's, that's an opportunity. Sometimes in a will, people can put in that if my executor doesn't fulfill this role, I'm going to name or I want uh, a beneficiary to replace that, that executor, if, if the executor wasn't, even wasn't a beneficiary. So failing all of that, if nothing is stated in the will and the person just, just walks away or they move out of the area, as I said, then a provincial trustee uh, steps in uh, acting as executor. And um, that's a whole different ballgame. So also, if the executor hasn't yet applied for probate, if they haven't applied for probate, they can step down providing a formal renunciation document is uh, to the alternative executor. So that's the process. There has to be a formal document that allows the other person to step in. Um, also, if you, if you become an executor and you're acting uh, on various uh, duties, you, you know, you have to have done what you should have done up to the point that you're, you're given permission to step away. So, um, you know, what, what the, the, the courts look at is, is always the welfare of the beneficiaries. That's, uh, that's what matters most. So, uh, 
where where replacement executor is uh, is required, a family member of the deceased, uh, who even if they're not a beneficiary, uh, they'll often agree to step in. So that's that's something that that can happen. Um, now, if we if we decide that we're we're really out of, uh, and and sometimes now we do run into this where people just are they're just shy of really thinking of anybody comfortably that that they want to handle this and. You know, a lawyer or an accountant could take the role, uh, obviously a trust company, uh, but they'll only do so if the estate is really, really significant. And um, the thing about that, too, is that, you know, and anybody acting as executor, even if they're a family member, they can charge executor fees. They're prescribed fees. So in the province of Ontario, it's two and a half percent for all the assets that they've gathered in their role and another two and a half percent. Uh, of the assets that are actually dispersed to beneficiaries. So one could charge 5% of the estate. And sometimes that's dicey, especially if it's a a family member who's also a beneficiary. And, you know, but, but typically that's done when it's an arm's length person. And you know what, it is dicey, but at the end of the day, you say, you know what, if you, if you don't get that some funds, you know, maybe it might not be 5%. But you can certainly say, you know what, I, I'd be happy to pass this along because there's a lot of work that goes behind the scenes. It is not, nobody says, oh, great, I'm, a, I'm an executor. Okay, it's, there's a lot of work behind the scenes and they are worth some compensation for doing that. And, but on one, one note, you cannot ask your financial planner to be a, uh, a, an executor. Or uh, power of attorney. Conflict, or power attorney or because power it's attorney. conflict yeah. of interest. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, it's uh, you talk about the responsibility and I, I emphasize the accountability. So it's something to be taken very seriously. And there are repercussions, particularly driven by the beneficiaries uh, in terms of, of uh, what the, what decisions are made. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. Our last segment is coming up. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. I understand, Don, there's been some changes to the TFSA limits. Yes, there has been some news in the last uh, week or so, and they they announced the tax-free savings accounts limits have been increased from 6,000 starting, and this is change that's effective January 1st of next year, to 6,500, okay? And they always go in allotments of 500. So they've always been, they they kind of accumulate, accumulate the increases until it's a $500 increase. And this is why you've seen them go from the original $5,000 uh, then to 5,500. There's an aberration when we had no deficit and the Conservative Party said, okay, we're bumping at 10,000. Well, then Trudeau bumped, took it back down to 5,500 and then it went to 6,000. And now with the higher inflation rates, we've gone from, it was six, four years at 6,000, by the way. Um, I thought it was actually teetering on going to 6,500 last year, 
but definitely this year I would have been shocked if it did not go up and it's now 6,500. Now, just off the top of your head, Scott, how long has have the TFSAs been around? Wow. I would say, uh, so it's longer than we think. I'll guess at uh, 10 years. That's kind of my thinking just off the top. It feels like 10. Like, you know, I, I know they started in 2009. I could easily do the math, but this is the 14th year and next year will be the 15th year. So, so 2023 will be the 15th year for tax-free savings accounts. And you think about it going back when they started, Oh, wow. Big deal. $5,000. Okay. Okay. Well, what am I going to do with that? That's not a lot of money. I said, well, it will become something. So, you know, the whole program is, is will will get over the, over time, but to fast forward and going back to Gary's analogy of trying to age ourselves, if you think, okay, well, 15 years, that's so far down the road. Here we are 15, 14 years now, 15 years next year yeah. from the original tax-free savings account when it started. And this program is the best program. I would say it's the best thing since sliced bread in terms of financial planning, because you know what? It, it should be part of everybody's portfolio. It's a, a great area for every age group. It can fit in so many areas in terms of financial planning topics. But it's kind of interesting. One thing, the, the whole name, I always thought it should have been called the tax-free investment plan, not savings plan. Because when it first came out, there's a whole lot of people just based on the name. So uh, what's the big deal? I only make 2% in the bank or something anyway. It's a savings account. I can't make any money. And then I said, no, no, you can be investing. And these are accountants too, not just, you know, just the name itself lend to a very savings oriented. And maybe the banks had something to do with this. Okay. But at the end of the day, it can be invested in anything. And so let's say you did, and you were, you know, clockwork, you for January 1st, every, every year you put in your tax free savings account and you put it into a savings vehicle making 2%. Well, fast forward right now, you'd be sitting there with $103,000. Uh, I apologize, it'd actually be $94,000. After you put in your 6,500 next year, you'll be at 103,000. So your profit would be about $15,000 from when you put it in. Because right now, uh, as of 2022, the cumulative lifetime limit is 81,500. Starting January 1st of next year, it will be 88000 So if you've never done a tax-free savings account, you literally can write a check for 88000 and put it into the TFSA January 1st of next year. Yes. Don, how many times have you been asked by someone, what's your TFSA limit? And, and, and what's the rate of return? Especially the rate of return. That's one thing that the banks and their credit unions did such a great job in marketing that. They basically applied the TFSA name to regular savings accounts Yes, and, and trained a lot of people who banked regularly to ask for the, the TFSA rate. And, and absolutely, Gary, and go back to our early days, people used to ask us, so what's your RSP paying? Yeah, yeah. And it was like, okay, that you're basically focused in a GIC. Now people have graduated and realized that can be invested in anything. Now the same thinking must be applied to the tax-free savings account because Let's say you got 5% instead. Well, 5%, um, it would be worth $118,000 today. And after you put in your $6,500, you'd be at $131,000 by the end of next year. Now we're talking a real profit, $43,000. That's the real benefit of a tax-free savings account. The money you put in, you, go, you do not get a tax write-off. 
but all the growth is tax-free. So if you're not going to get a good return on your money, it has very little advantage compared relatively. And let's say you're very aggressive and go back to my take a longer term view on this. This is next year will be the 15th year. And let's say you were put at 100% in equities. You said, you know what, I don't care what it does as long as it's blue chip equity, very conservative in terms of the stocks though, you got 8%. Now you're sitting there at 149,000. After next year, it'll be 168,000, a profit of 80,000. And when you think about it, the limit is 88 and your profit would be 80. There'll be a time where a crossover point where you actually, the limit will be half. You'll make, you know, basically you would have doubled your money. And Don, what so, about the, the, the surviving spouse rollover too as a benefit? Oh, no question. So yeah, I took the words out of my mouth here, Gary, because that's only one person. You multiply this by two spouses. And now if you, if you were able, let's just say you got 5%, that's about 120,000. Currently, it'd be worth each total 240,000. If one person passes away, it automatically can go to the spouse. It's like a life insurance policy. And then they can continue to add to it. So there's so many areas of planning that revolve around a tax-free savings account. Make sure you talk to your financial planner to see where it should fit into yours. We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan have been here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management, 905-972-7420. Another great show, gentlemen. Have yourself a fabulous week. Yeah, you too, Scott. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.